On today's podcast, we are talking with the founder and owner of Kaiva'a Canoes and Kayaks, Kai Bartlett. He's a world champion paddler, a husband, a father of three, a coach, and an all-around awesome human. We talked about the history of his business, boat design, training programs, life balance, nutrition, and we only scratched the surface. We hope we get to chat with him some more soon. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Wicked Aloha Podcast. My name is Will Rich. I am with my co-host, Patrick Brummel, and today we are sitting down with Kai Bartlett. He is the founder and owner of Kaiva'a Canoes and Kayaks and multiple world champion. And uh, today we're just going to talk a little bit about Outrigger Paddling. So welcome, Kai Bartlett. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for for taking the time. Yeah, easy. So just to get started, tell us a little bit about Kaiva, where it started, where it's gone, where it's going. Um, Let's let's just start there and uh, get a little bit of background behind Shoot behind the products. Um, Kaiva started in 2001, January 2001. Um, you know, before that, I was working for Corel, uh, Chesnut Kid Outrigger Connection, and um, just realized with you know how I was really enjoying the paddling stuff, it's something I like to eventually do on my own. So I left Corel's August of 2000 and um open up a repair business, but really just under the, under the table business. And then, uh, I was approached by a guy in big guy into a license from him. Um, so that's when we opened up Kaiba in 2001. And that was here on Maui? No. So we opened up in Waimanalo and, um, you know, for me, it's like starting a business. I want to start small. So I didn't have a bunch of debt to start with. And so I borrowed a couple bucks, rented it, cheap old chicken coop florist spot where they used to grow orchids and um and started from there so my, my shop rent was like 400 bucks a month wow yeah imagine that <laughs> were you were you living in uh outrigger connection was out of kailua right were you were you on oahu at the time they were in, i was yeah so i was born and raised in kailua and, and oh. grew up most of my time in kailua but lived on the off islands uh, okay. Wife for a bit as a kid, Maui uh, as a bit uh, for a bit as well, and then back to Kailua. So graduated from school and all that in Kailua. Um, so yeah, our connection had a shop in Kailua and Waimanalo, and so working in Waimanalo, I realized you know it's there's potential to find something cheap out here, and that's how I should start. And from that, I'll, I'll try to grow from there. And so it was a pretty rugged shop that we started in, but you know we're doing two boats a week and and turning things around, so. Did you say you bought the molds from somebody else, or are those ones you made yourself? I I actually licensed uh, a mold from someone else. We had to do a bunch of work to it when we got it, but um, it was like their second, you know, their backup mold. And he saw the potential in having somebody build on Oahu, so he contacted me, just knowing that I worked for John Martin and Corel, and you know, I had my hands in it. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it was a, it was a cool, easy way to start. Later on, it had its hiccups, but it was a good, easy way to start. Um, you know, I, I left out really. I just I started out with demand, you know, and so it was really easy to start turning turning things over and, and start rolling with the business and, and getting it going. Uh, like I said, you know, I really tried to start simple, so I didn't have much overhead and, and much bills to pay, so I can actually begin to grow from there. And versus having always, you know, feed the shark in a sense. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I stayed in that place for probably a year, year and a half, and then we moved into a bigger spot down the road by Corral. And how did you, when did you, was a Scorpius your first, uh, your design? No, my first actual design was this boat called Arcturus. And it wasn't, it was, I hand shaped it out of foam. So it was, you know, it was a good learning curve. It didn't really take off too well. Um, tell you what, it did surf Makaha really well though. Last <laughs> of that boat out there. Um, wow. And the Scorpius was my fourth design. Wow. Yeah, so we had the Spike God and the Pegasus, and the Pegasus really took off well. Um, well, let me take that back. My first design was the guy I was licensing from hired me to redesign his canoe for him. But, you know, I don't really look back at that as I didn't handshape. I just kind of added and cut and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it was really, quote, unquote, my design. So, yeah. And you're handshaping, right? Yeah, I still handshape everything. I, you know, with ozone, they will I'll handshake, we'll test, and then they'll recreate it and CNC it. Um, they'll scan it, straighten it all out, and do that. But the beauty that I like about the handshaping is that, you know, actually shaping the part, the life size part. So there's a lot of things that you'll see when you draw it up that look really cool. But once you actually are looking at that life size part, there's a lot of things you're like, you know what, that really doesn't look too cool anymore, it, you know, <laughs> being life-sized. So um, I still enjoy it. You know, I, you know, you're using hands, you're creating it. And so do you do you come up with like a lines, a set of lines and then shape off of that, like a t- traditional boat sense where you have like a water line and, and out and your shear and your water line and buttocks and all that stuff. And then you pull those lines and t- apply it to foam somehow. So, but yeah, so we'll take, We'll take a water line and then we'll draw everything from the water line, you know, below and above yeah. line. So basically I'll start with the water line and an outline, and then I'll kind of create the shape by hand. I'll draw it. Yeah. And then that's so there, cool. It, you know, it's it's a fun art that I learned from a guy on Oahu, um, Brent Bixler. He used to do a lot of the shaping for Corel. So he shaped Corel's Mirage, his OC6. He used to Worked for another company before Corel, and they did the Force Five, the Class Racer. Um, he did a handful of canoes, uh, one man canoes for Corel as well. So I got to work next to him for those couple of years as at Corel's in Waimanalo and, and learned a lot from him. Do you use just uh, like EPS or something, like pound and a half EPS, or what, what do you use to shape? Yeah, one pound density. That way it's you know still light enough to where you can test it for a couple months. So you actually just glass it and put a seat on it and go, huh? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's and awesome. uh, I'll just do my cables on the deck, on the top deck. I'll just, you know, put a, put a glass, of, you know, a patch of glass here and there just to hold the cable housing in place. And yeah. you're not doing it for looks. You're just doing it to get out there. Yeah. And off and you're worried about all that other stuff later. So. Wow. That's super cool. Yeah, I remember you showing up to practice with the Gemini. Yeah. The two-man. Yeah. And, uh, that looked pretty rough and it was yeah. pretty heavy. Yeah. But the thing went. Yeah. Like it, it just took off. And so. Right. So, I mean, it, it's, it works. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's, the, that's the thing too, is if you were to just design on a computer, you still got to make your prototype from that. Mm-hmm. And the way it's working nowadays, I mean, you know, uh, that's, that's the beauty about just hand shaping. You hand shape it, glass it in the water, test it. 
And you know, it's, it's going to be three times the weight or twice the weight of what you're actually going to start producing. And if it works well being a lot heavier, you know, yeah. probably going to do just fine once it's lighter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even at one pound density, there's probably 10 or 12 pounds of foam in there, huh? Yeah. So once, once you get rid of that, you save a lot of weight. Yeah. And I, and as time's gone on, I've learned where to start cutting weight and stuff. I don't blast them as heavy as I used to just be, I figured denser minor, you know, we got a dent. It's easy to deal with. Yeah. Um, you know, the scanner can take care of that and straighten it up a bit. Yeah. And what are, all your names are, they like, they seem like they're stars and constellations. What's, uh, what's that all about? Yeah. So when I started, um, you know, I had a, a friend of mine working with me, Andy Penny. He's now a fireman in Big Island. And the first boat that we did was the Polaris uh, uh, for the guy we're licensing from. And from that moment on, I decided, you know what? We're, we're in these one-mans. We're navigating on our own. I'm just going to pull star names because the Hawaiians used the stars for navigation back in the oh, day. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So try to find something that relates to the boat as well yeah. Yeah. but of course you also got to find something that's going to be catchy and marketable and whatnot yeah, yeah. so is the does the aris hold true to that because i was trying to google it today and no aris is the god of war the greek god of war yeah aris is the oddball in a sense um you know i had the antares yep and when i did the aris i basically just took the antares and cut it in half and and made it narrower so i didn't really you know, I, I, I was having a hard time thinking of something. And I said, you know, we're just going to name it Dari's. Oh, nice. Yeah. But, you know, everything else, like Gemini, that's a, that was a no-brainer. Um, and then uh, Pat Dolan, he named the Vega. And he had some good reasons behind that for the Vega. Dars Arsursky. Nice. Cool. Yeah, when did, when did the Sursky come out? Sursky came out two years ago. Um, well... The, the ozone, the manufactured surf skis came out last year, but I had my plug two years ago and actually pat on my plug in my first surf ski solo. Wow. Yeah. 40 pound plugs. So. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of special as well. Just paddling that home block across the channel. <laughs> That's so cool. It was, it, it was super cool. And, um, you know, I think that made, made the race that much more fun for me. Yeah, that's I, I did a um I did the channel on a, on stand up a couple times and I, I did it on a board that I made and I'm actually trying to get a compile a list of people that have done that on on stuff that they've made with their hands and just kind of so maybe that's a future conversation down the road when I get out there it'd be fun to just talk and figure out your motivations I mean there's really not much to talk about but it's it's just kind of a cool shared experience it takes it back to the old days when the guys made their own gear and just charged it, you know, before there was yeah. any, uh, any big commercial stuff. I know for like, say like stand-ups and paddle boards, a lot of them probably paddle foam boards. Yeah. But I, uh, I, I don't know if, yeah, I could probably have been the first to do that with a one man or a ski. Wow. Just, you know, they're generally hollow construction. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, that's why I thought it was pretty classic. But that's that's cool. Patrick, didn't you also make your paddle, your shorts, your Aloha shirt for after? Yeah, I made a bunch of crap. I was having a pretty creative year that year. 
<laughs> the panel ended up breaking before I got out there. I was testing it and it snapped on me. So I, I made it too light. So I just scrapped it and brought another one, but I made my own shorts and an Aloha shirt and all this other stuff. And ended up the, the second year I did, I actually went to a ukulele building class over by the prison by uh, uh, somewhere out by the airport on, on in uh, Honolulu and made my own ukulele, which is sitting right there. It's pretty uh, classic. Yeah. It's pretty funny, man. But when did the, uh, going back to the outriggers, when did, who was it? Commander that came, were they the first guys to go away from that big banana ama and go towards the real flat one? Was that the Pueo boat that did that? Well, the first, the first um, ama that I was making for was Wilder Canoes was was more mellow as well, like that. Oh, and then, nice. and then people started going more curvature, um, kind of following the six man ama look. Uh, you know, they're worried about tracking and stuff in the ocean, mm-hmm. and because too, you think about back in the day. I mean, our first flat channel was 2007. That I, I mean, I know there's been some down the line, but I started in 97, uh, not doing solo. I started doing my first solo in 98, but we had windy channels all the way up to 2007. That's what, 10 years? Wow. Yeah, so then from that point on, it's been kind of hit hit and miss. And there hasn't been any, cons- the only consistency is it's been hit and miss. You know, it's like you got a flat one, you got a decent one, not another flat one or two flat ones in a row. And um, So Kamano, in the recent days, has been the first to come out with that lower profile llama well i take that back you know even the hurricane had a low profile llama oh yeah that's right yeah and then Kamano came with there so i'd say maybe you know mike given would have been the first to do that and he's the ozone guy right or yeah. he's involved with that yeah yeah so mike mike given owns uh ozone nice yeah yeah that's cool and then you know for us it's just trying to find an ama that would be that wouldn't really uh control your surfing for you. So, you know, it was a fun challenge to try to come down to that low profile llama, but also have something you could be loose with. Because the problem with some of those low profile llamas is they'll track a lot, which will hinder you from maneuvering in directions you want to go sometimes. So, mm. yeah. It's just due to surface area, there's just more llama in the water, so it drags more, is that, or it just tracks because it's yeah, the shape? More, yeah, it just it could be the shape as well, you know? Oh. Yeah. Hmm. yeah but yeah so some of them track track you know pretty well so they you know they just hinder your maneuverability nice where you got to do a lot more body work to get it to maneuver you know keeping yeah. it up but not and yeah and i was i was watching um that video you did on trimming your ras the other day and you guys have uh the, the indexing button in the back whereas those other guys have the 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 Yaku just goes in there and they have a tightening screw, right? So it's unlimited. Mm-hmm. So how do you, how do you trim your boat? Do you, do you kind of shoot for a, a flat level hull across the, the gunnels when you're, when you're sitting weighted in flat water or do you lean it to the right, lean it to the left? You know, a lot of me trimming my boat isn't just seeing how level I'm sitting. It's more just seeing how light the ama is for me. Is, is, is it easy to control? Am I going to be, really focused on trying to keep it down all the time versus getting good strokes in, uh, things like that. Um, you know, in the bigger boats, the six mans, you do that. You do say like a quarter bubble leaning in. Oh, okay. Type of thing. Um, but yeah, with the one man, you know, I, it, it really depends on each individual's balance because you can rig it level and it feels good for you in flat water. But once you get in chopping conditions and almost coming up above, you know, 
above you, how are you going to feel? Are you still going to feel comfortable with it or whatnot? So a lot of it's just going out there and kind of, that's what we're going to come out with another video or just a quick little edit. It's, it's really just going out there and going with feel what's comfortable for you as an individual. Cause me, I'm going to have a way different comfort zone than you would. Yeah. And there's also guys that are either my caliber or even higher caliber that they don't want to even worry about it being tipped. He's still already get super stable. I mean, Pat Dolan's a perfect example. He's a kayaker and a hell of a good kayaker at that. He's done a lot of K1 in his day. He rigs his canoe the most stable you could even rig it. Really? When I'll go train with him in the relay or we'll race together in the relay, I have such a hard time because the arm is so far than heavy for me. You know? <laughs> used to, I'm used to it being a little lighter. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine... Uh, I imagine with the the surf ski, once you get that balance down, I, I, it seems like the the outrigger is just there. If you can, I mean, do you, could you paddle your outrigger hull without an ama on it, it being a good surf ski paddler? You know the way the the way the the canoes are nowadays, it, it's harder and harder. I think because the seats are higher. Yeah, we raise our seats a bit, so you're you're a bit more off the water. Um, yeah. You know, back in the day, I think say like the Pegasus and the XS and those boats. It could have been a little easier to do that just because we're yeah. sitting a lot lower to the waterline. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I have a feeling it'd be pretty difficult. I've seen some people do it, um, but it's not something you go out there and yeah do for an hour. It's something you'd, you'd do for maybe like five, ten minutes and you're done. Yeah, to win a bet. It would just be more beneficial for them to buy a Vega. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And, and you've got this other one, the, the Flex has come out. Is that a little wider or something? Yeah, so Mega Flex is, you know, our mid-range uh, surf ski. It's it's uh, 18 and a quarter in width versus our, our the Vega is about 16, 7 eighths, just like the, you know, most of these skis. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's also a little shorter than Vega Flex. It's um, uh, 20 and a half feet long. So it's a bit, you know, quite quite a bit more stable. Huh. Yeah. Is it coming, if you have no surf ski background at all, would the Vega just be impossible to try to figure it out on? Yeah, I would say, you know, any of those elite skis are a bit more difficult, you know, especially nowadays. Um, you know, back when I was really into, um, well, I should say back when I first started trying to kayak was 2002. And I mean, I think the skis were like 20 inches wide or, you know, 19. So it's a lot easier to start out back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, local skis over here. But yeah, so now, you know, a regular bag would be pretty uh it'd be a pretty hard start and i you know maybe even the flex would be for some you know just how agile they are is there any place you can demo them out there yeah we have oh okay cool we have a flex and as as time goes on and the shipments come out then you know our mainland distributors have demos as well australia how many distributors do you have on the mainland right now uh mainland we have northwest San Fran, Southern Cal, Midwest, Florida, South Carolina, and Philadelphia, Maine. And so that's, then, that's a good. That's a good amount. And our Midwest guy covers just a, a wide range. He's from Wisconsin down to Louisiana. Yeah, I met him at Chattajack. He's he said he does a pretty good volume. Oh man, super, super nice guy. I got to paddle that Gemini. That thing was amazing. Yeah, Jeff. That's a pretty cool guy. Yeah, so, super cool. His truck must have some mileage. Yeah. 
Yes, he <laughs> is. He drives all over the place. It's amazing. Yeah, he seems like he's got a pretty good stoke for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I think for him it's cool. He's got one man's and now he's got the skis, so it's, you know, it's a full. Yeah. yeah. And, he, you know, he seems like he's got a pretty good bunch of guys throughout his territory. They're pretty into it, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I wonder what the downwinding on the Great Lakes is like. I bet it gets, if you get them the long ways with the north winds, it might get pretty amazing out there. You know, I, I could only imagine, and he sent me some video of stuff on other good-sized lakes out there that looks super fun. Huh. But but Great Lakes, that's one of my bucket lists. Really? Yeah, I want to do a downwind run on a Great Lake. That'd be amazing. There's a race now. I think they do it. It's stand-up. I don't know if it's all craft, but they started a couple of years ago. But there's a few guys now that are doing – it's the same weekend as the, the paddleboard uh, channel race. But they go coast to coast from – I think it's – I forget, I think it's Lake Superior, but it's it's about 32 miles, same as Catalina and Molokai. But it's across the lake in a supposedly predominant wind direction. But I don't know if they've ever had it really windy. Yeah. But that would be amazing. Some and of those lakes cool. are long. Yeah, surfing the Great Lakes. Uh, right, right. Because, I mean, you know, you think about storms that come through there, you sink ships up there. So, you, yeah. I just always think about ocean conditions. I mean, if you've got conditions like that, there's got to be some something fun up there to be able to get up. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, with a 100 mile fetch, that's enough to get some pretty decent waves going. Yeah. I mean, what Will and I have here at the Kihei Run, you know, not even a mile into it, it it's already going. Really? So, I mean, you could only imagine, yeah, with such distance on it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was back to that Vega. I was watching that um, one of the videos where you guys were, I don't know what run it was, but I'm not too familiar with the stroke, but it seemed like at the back end of your stroke, you had a little, like there was a, a little bit of a pause before it came back around. With those wing paddles, is there some element where you sweep it up to get more drive out of it? How do those things work? You're asking the wrong guy. I'm still trying to oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, that's good guy. I've, i'm just playing on the ski just to have fun with it and, you know just do something different break up in the monotony of uh always going outrigger and you know i'm still figuring out the ski stroke myself you know i i i never people ask me and i always tell them i i, I guess <laughs> as good as yours when it comes to surf skiing yeah. i'm just i can stay in it and move forward and have fun with it yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not bad to go out in the self-shaped foam surf ski and do the channel with uh, not that much experience or or claiming to not have that much experience. I've got a little experience in ski, but it's one of those things because one man was always my main core thing. You know, I'd jump in the ski for a couple weeks and then boom, I, I wouldn't jump in it for another six months. And, you know, that's kind of how it's been since 2002. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, for, you know, and that's one thing that drives me nuts sometimes about the one-man sport. I will look at something like this where you just asked me about the ski, and if I was, if if I didn't have that respect for those top guys in the ski field, I'd probably sit here and tell you all about it. Yeah. A, a thing, but I, I have too much respect for those guys who are the top athletes. So, for me, you know, I feel I, I, I really haven't, I can't say anything about the ski because I don't know enough. I haven't experienced enough. Oh, that's good. And yeah. Modesty, I, you find with most people that are accomplished in anything, they're always the most modest, which is a very admirable trait, I think. 
Yeah, no, and I, and I'm I'm with you there. You know, I I like I said, I think in in well, in all our sports, you know, you you run into a lot of people that don't have that, and they they want to take over right away, and they haven't had enough experience to take over right away, or or come in and try to you know speak their beliefs or whatnot. And you know, as as an athlete that's been up there. One, I look down upon it, but two, I just, I, you know, I feel bad for those that get caught up in it because it's, it's not right, you know. It's, um, you know, if people paid their dues and gone through the trials and tribulations, and and you know, in order to learn, uh, learn more about it or, or learn enough to be able to go around and preach something. So yeah, yeah. So speaking kind of on that that note, you you also run clinics both here on Maui, and do you do clinics whenever you go to a race in the mainland, or kind of what's your what's your clinic schedule? So if people wanted to do a clinic with you, you know our our clinic our, our clinic schedule kind of you know it's it's a variety. Um, sometimes we'll go to races and we'll do stuff and. Uh, and other times, you know, it's like, shoot, we'll, we'll be so busy at the race, I'd rather not have one more task on my plate. We do we do, do camps here, and I like to call them camp more than because You know, we do a little bit of technique, but when people are coming to Maui, they want to be done with it. So that's our main focus on, on week. Um, you know, it's 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 fun for us and it's it's heck of fun for them. Yeah, they're just figuring out a little more surf and you know, if we're spending too much time doing technique on that, that's just more confusion for them. We just way too much information to be paying attention to. So um but yeah, we're doing actually one next week here and it's a qualifier for M10. Um before we do them the week prior, but um M10's just gotten to be such a big race that the association doesn't want to deal with it the week before. So they asked us to hold that sooner. Uh, so that's next week. We have our pre, our prep clinic for end to end, uh, the week before end to end. Um, and then we're also doing a couple of fun ones that it's, uh, it's really more like a camp. It's you come here, you do the Malipo run for a couple of days, and then we line up an escort and we do Pailolo the third day, and then we stay on Molokai and we do couple combos on Molokai the last two days. That sounds like an awesome week. Yeah, so it's <laughs> an adventure. It's an adventure week. Wow. Yeah. When does that happen? So we have our first one in March. Um, and we only, it's, it's a real, let me get rid of that. It's real, you know, we, we only offer it to six people just for safety, safety reasons. We're doing the Pilolo run. Um, you know, if we got too many people out there with one escort boat, it's chaotic. It's wide ocean. Um, so we have one in March. We're doing another one in mid May. And then, um, then we do have a Florida group that called up that wanted to come in June to just do Maliko. So generally, we stuck with that. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was doing stand up, they always hyped July to be like the downwind month. And then I moved here and realized that there is no downwind month. Yeah, like, it's downwind all year round, or it can be. Sometimes it, it can be. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We've had kind of a lull this past week. I feel like. I don't know what it's been like up here. I'm not sure, but this time down in South Shore, it's been dead flat calm. Right. And uh, but you can you can downwind just about every day, yeah, if you want. 
Yeah. If you want to find it, you can just go and get it. That's exactly it. If you want to find it, you can find something because if the wind's coming from one direction or another, you'll, you'll find something if you want to go out there and spend the time looking. I think all the, the magazines and everything were just hyping July because there's like three or four races all in a row that's, yeah. for, for stand up. So they yeah. were like, Oh, let's get everybody to come to Maui for that, for that month. Right. Right. Cause then you, you get it, you get participation in all those races where if you look at the Hawaiian Atlas, June is supposed to be the most consistent month for trade winds out of the year. But, you know, you said, you said it started getting inconsistent prior to 2000, after 2007. Was that just because it's what's the solos in May or something, right? Solos in May. And, you know, it's, it's moved around a bit. Um, it's back in May now. It was in April for a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's strange. You know, we've had like last, last May, the solo got canceled because we yeah. had 20 to 30 knot Southwest winds, which was straight in your face. And then there's a big front that was going to come through the channel and just white out everything for about an hour and a half. So um, it's, you know, after seeing how the day went last year, it's a good thing they did cancel it because if somebody did go down, it, it could have been drastic because you couldn't see further than 10 feet, you know, for about an hour. And then uh, actually one escort boat going back to Oahu after they canceled some. Some question. And, and so imagine doing that for 32 miles into it. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, thanks. So, yeah, no, the patterns have just been, you know, it's been funky. Um, the last several years, besides the cancellation, it's actually been more consistent. But, um, you know, it's, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. You're doing it again this year? Yeah, yeah. I'll probably keep trying, um, you know, until I just feel like, hey, you know, it's enough. Do you have to qualify for that one? No. No. So, yeah, for the solo, you don't really have to qualify just because you have your personal escort. So, yeah. you know, I think the theory is if anything happened, boats on the escort and you're pretty more. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I think, too, with the solo, you're not just going to get somebody coming in that doesn't know what they're doing to do a solo because that's quite a trek. Yeah. That's like, hey, we're M to M. You know, you watch all the videos end to end. It's like, oh my god, look how fun it is, man! I want to go do it. Yeah. You don't see that in the channel sometimes. It, you know, it's yeah. a super bump and you know a little more technical. And um, so yeah, I think you get less. Yeah, it's not always directly downwind. It's right. Yeah, channels in most cases quartering sideways. Yeah. Yeah, where end to end, you get that straight down direct shot and. But that's what makes it so fun. No, that, that <laughs> sure does. Yeah. So everybody wants to come be a part of it. Yeah. Or some people kind of delusional that they, they can just come over and do it. And, you know, like there are, because there's a lot of people getting into the sport right now. Oh, there's a ton. I mean, it's, you know, it almost seems with yeah. the, 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 the stand up slowly kind of declining. You're getting a lot of these people jumping in one man and realizing, wow, this is fun too. Um, yeah, in the main run, the sport is growing. It's it's growing pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, from what it, you know, back when, I would say just in the last four or five years, it's just started started moving. Yeah, where I, before it's got a slow trickle in the main run. Was that kind of a catalyst to move more towards uh, ozone? You know, it could be, it could be um, that it's just now canoes are becoming more accessible, um, you know, to get them in there 
area, you weren't having to pay all this freight to ship them from Hawaii or whatnot. So it could be yeah. a big part of it. They're just, you know, they're more affordable now. Um, yeah, I think too, some people are getting into it and realizing, you know, it's, it's an easy learning curve because you have the AMA for stability and, you know, you can move pretty well on, you know, even a beginner can move pretty well because they have a pretty sleek to moves. Yeah. yeah. And more places are popping up and yeah, I think just about every stand-up race that's on the mainland now, you can probably paddle on a, a one man and you know, I, I you know, it, where, where it used to be, uh, you know, stand-ups were entering canoe and kayak races. Right. And then they had their own races. Right. And now one mans are probably entering stand-up races and they'll probably just soon be one man races. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, for us, it'd be fun just to show up and do more races like that, uh, along with the stand-up races. Cause you'll see some stand-up races in pretty fun areas and you're like, shoot, no, I wish we could show up and do that. But it's like gorge. There's a stand-up race there in August. And I noticed last year they allowed surf ski and canoe. Hmm. I love the gorge. So I, I go twice a summer now. Um, but now when's that, when's the paddle chat? When's the, um, the surf ski outrigger race that's in July. Yeah. Mid July, yeah. Mid July, yeah, right around the 18th. Um, but when I saw that stand-up race in August last year, a lot of the canoes and surf skis, I was like, "Wow, maybe I get to go a third time." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because didn't uh, the M2M race used to allow stand-ups? Mm-hmm. And now yep. this year, or actually last year? Yeah, they cut it. I they, think they, they cut, cut it off two years ago, two or three years ago. They might have cut it off, maybe two years ago. But yeah, I remember like Connor Baxter when he was 14. Yeah. Like we would come by, they'd let him start early, and we'd always come by him. It's like, man, he's a little blonde kid. He's freaking up here. Yeah. No, no, we all know who he is. Yeah. But yeah, they used to allow him back in the day. But the race was also a lot smaller back in the day. You know, I think with the paddling growing, you know, in the US and and kind of around the world, you're getting a lot more people wanting to come and do it. Yeah, how fast did it sell out this year? Oh, geez. an hour, hour. Yeah, it, it crashed the website yeah. multiple times. Well, yeah, both weekends in a row. <laughs> but no, back to your point on like, um, you know, people delusional and stuff about the surf. You know, I I don't know if it's um, if it's just our nature, but we'll watch something. Hey, that looks fun. I want to go do it. And um, you know, not thinking of you know the the negative effects of it. You know, say like end to end, everybody. I mean, they only allowed 50 slots from the mainland this year or outside Hawaii. And so many people, I mean, they probably could have tripled that, you know, for mainland people because everybody sees the video and wants to come do it. But what they don't realize is it is a fun downwind run, but, you know, there's a lot going on out there. And it's an open ocean. It's a big open ocean. Yes, Molokai is right there and Lanai is right there, but right in the middle, there's a big open channel, and if you get blown through that channel and you're heading down, that after that it's over. <laughs> you know, for for us as as uh, you know, thinking safety wise on it, um, you know, it's it's hard sometimes to tell people, you know, you're not you're not going to be capable of it, or you're you know, you're not ready for it, and because they they see the thrill of it and they want to do it. Um, but, you know, the good thing is, is a lot of people come thinking, I want to start learning how to surf. And you get them out there like, ooh, yeah, maybe this is too much. And so, yeah. you know, some people are pretty honest once once they get to experience it for themselves. Yeah, I can't I can't count the number of people I've had come out and 
Oh, I want to learn stand up paddleboard. I've, I've stand up paddleboard before on a lake. I'm going to go out today. Mm-hmm. And he's just looking at them like, nope. Yeah. And then they get out there and they're falling off the board immediately on their knees, sitting on their butt. Just, yeah. Uh, reality yeah. sets in pretty quickly. It is. And a lot of the time, you know, it, it's sad to say, but a lot of time it's with those very little experienced people. Because they just said, I did it here, I can do it anywhere. But it's like, when you come to Hawaii or you're anywhere with the ocean, there's so many other, um, you know, factors to put into it, you know. Is the wind come up, you know, Wailea, a perfect example. You know, it looks great and glassy till about 11 o'clock, and then it's a darn hurricane after that. But if they don't know any better, they'll see the glassiness go out there, and then they'll get all beat up once the wind comes in. And sometimes the wind comes in like that. Happened Two days um, ago, three days ago, yeah, it was glassy, then light offshore down down on McKenna, and then literally in five minutes it was blowing 40, <laughs> 40 mile an hour trades straight yeah. down. Yeah, you know, three four foot. Sounds like wind it. waves. It, it would have been perfect if you had the timing. It would have been a great run, right? Because <laughs> it that blew short, that short window. It, it blew for an hour hard, and then it just cut right off. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of it's just people not understanding the element they're getting involved in, and that's where, um, and then back to our camps, that's where we try to, what we try to do with our camps is educate them, you know. I just had a game group here two weeks ago, and it was raging on the Maluko side. I mean, raging for our standards as well, wow. which it was probably suicide for most of them, but they really wanted to learn surfing, and so couple of the instructors that came with them, I invited them to come train in the harbor with us in the afternoon just so they could go back and vouch for me why we weren't going and doing Malito. And um, we're just paddling inside the harbor. And they were like, way too much. I was like, wow. <laughs> right. So so how would somebody find, how can they find that those camps? And and if, if can you can you say what's the cost of a camp like that? Or you can you mention that now or would you just rather do it online no i think the, the pilolo one is is 1500 per person but that's also because we include the escort boat and that's six and, days and that's five days five days no accommodations no accommodations so it's we're providing canoe escort boat on wednesday and then transports to the canoe back to maui on the escort so the escort's kind of doing two trips for us and you got do, do people have to find their own accommodations on the molokai side yeah, or we can set them up as well. Okay. We'll, we'll have, we have a house there, so we can just rent them off the house, and that comes with a vehicle as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then um, our camps here that we do here on Maui are 900 per person uh, for the week. Yep. That's including the canoe and shells. Cool. And if they have their own canoe, then it's cheaper. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, you know, it's like these, these camps aren't – it's just something that we're putting out there, one, to help – advertise our product because yep. we'll come in from the mainland paddle our product mm-hmm. and go, wow that was fun i enjoyed it flat water i enjoyed it rough water I enjoyed it. it's great i'm gonna go home and maybe get one because uh and then and then two you know it's not the biggest money maker for us because we got to buy all these canoes yeah they don't grow on trees so we we, we have you know yeah. right now my canoe fleet is down to four but i've got six new ones coming at the end of this month. Uh, so, you know, that's, you, you do the math on, you know, 10 canoes. That's a, that's a chunk of change. Yeah. You know, you write your, your insurance. Uh, I just bought actually a brand new trailer for these camps as well. 
nice aluminum trailer that's set up. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, it's more so we're doing them just to get people to come to Hawaii. One, get them out there in the ocean, get more comfortable with it. Uh, you know, because in return, that's only going to help them wherever they're from with conditions yeah. that they're involved with there. Um, you know, it might, you know, a rough day there might end up turning out to be a lot safer with them doing a trip or two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, things like that. So, you know, it's just, and, and spreading the law, you know, mm-hmm. showing that, hey, this is, it's, it's a worldwide community. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not, um, you know, segregating anything or anything like that. Everybody's willing to give and show and, yeah. you know, be friends and, yeah. That's great. And it's, it's really opened up a lot of friendships for us, which yeah. is cool. A lot of, a lot of people in the Northwest, you know, Southern California, um, you know, Eastern Canada. So it's fun because then we'll see we'll see each other down the line at a race. And yeah. yeah. This, this Northwest group that has been coming pretty consistently. You know, we'll have my birthday up at the gorge because about the same time we'll, we'll invite them all out. And, oh, cool. Yeah. So it's just fun. You know, you just it's, it's sharing the experience. Yeah. Yeah. On the on the uh, oh sorry go ahead. I was gonna say I think that's a reason a lot of people. Paddle is just the community. Yeah. yeah. It's all over. So everyone can connect. It's just, yeah. You know, it's the same reason that everyone works with Chattanooga every year. Yeah. Right. You know, 600 people. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not going there because it feels good to do 32 miles. No, no. You're going, you're going <laughs> yeah, no. In the ice. As much as you do. So, right, right. Uh, there's that connection. No, exactly. And that's, you know, like I, I love going to that race. I know, you know, I'm hoping to be able to do the five in a row for the belt, but I know I'll probably have to take a break and, and do a couple other races elsewhere because there's other races that are during the same time. But, you know, it's something that I'll always want to go back to again, just because, it, you know, you see those same people at that race and uh, half of them, you're not going to see in another race. So it's always fun going back there and, you know, reconnect. Yeah. 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 yeah I was going to share a story when you were talking about that you provided canoes uh, a mutual friend of ours out here, he was moving to California and he went to Logan, which is the airport in Boston, and he had a hurricane. So he goes to the jet blue guy and I don't even think, I think he either just had a bubble wrapped or it just bare. And he walks up to the luggage guy and he goes, I want to take this to California. <laughs> and, and apparently the person at the luggage place just said, Oh, well, what is it? And he's like, it's a, it's an outrigger canoe. And confused, she looked through the book and, they're like, well, I guess we could put it under windsurf thing. And they took it and they checked it on the plane. Somehow they put a hurricane through the door on the jet and got the thing in there and he and he got it out in LA. I guess he tipped the guy, but it came to LA without a scratch. For free. That that's unheard of nowadays. Yeah. It's I I, I didn't even know they could fit in there. So back in the day when I first started my business, like 2001, 2002, I'd say until about 2004. Quantits, if you're flying from Honolulu to Australia, they'd let you throw a canoe. Or we even shipped a Pegasus mold down to Australia on Qantas. Really? Yeah. So oh. the, guy, the guy had, he, he was a ticketed passenger and he's like, I want to take this back with me. So wow. we both carried this heavy mold up and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. When I was trying to fly my, my my big channel board out there, they were saying the only plane that could take it was a 747 wide body where the nose cone actually opened up so they could load it from the front. But yeah. yeah but, they had plenty. You were talking about that because this year I, I designed a six man on 
And our steersman liked it so much, he kept wanting to bring it to all the different races with us. So, you know, you got to race in Kona, you got to race on a Wahoo, you got, you know, so I had the hardest time trying to transport that thing by air around Hawaii. They said it was like one foot too long. Was it nine feet or something? It's 15 feet. Oh, wow. Big one. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, uh, it was pretty classic, but we, we ended up, I never did air freight it, but we ended up uh, finding other alternatives. But, uh, yeah, we're back in the day. We saw a little high in air. We could ship the news. Wow. Yeah. Do you have any, any plans to make a six band mold or no? You know, it, it is on the burner and, um, you know, it is a project that I like to start up. Uh, one of these days, I just think when that time does come, there's a lot of things in life that I've, I've probably got to put on the side because that, that will be a big project that I like to wrap my head around. And yeah. like right now, I've got a little project I'm working on and it's in the same position it was before Christmas. Mm. But, you know, we got a two-year-old Tasmanian devil and, um, <laughs> and a so we're pretty busy at home, plus some projects on the house. I'm building a garage and then off that garage in the back, I'm going to do a full shaping shop room at a 26 by 20. So, wow, that's cool. Yeah, a lot of little things like that. But yeah, six man is definitely, I mean, I've been thinking about wanting to do one for like the last four years, just really trying to find that time. You know, it's like one of those paddling seasons is going to have to go to the wayside, you know, for a project like that. And that one you'd hand shape out of foam too, not strip build over, over strip it. Yeah. But yeah, I'll just draw up all my cross sections and yeah. go. And then that way from that, once I pop the part out, I can just, if I want to cut and make changes, I can do it pretty easily. Yeah. Would you do, would you strip it in foam or with wood? Uh, you know, if my first thoughts, I'll do it in foam, but um, a buddy of mine's doing one with cedar or three man with cedar. I saw pictures of that. Yeah. Pretty sexy. Actually, we paddled his little one, the first project. Yeah. So now he's working on a bigger size one. And, um, but the cedar he's getting was pretty cool and how he's laying it up. So I was like, you know, that, that looks pretty easy as well. And yeah. it was only 70 pounds. Yeah. Is that what I read? Yeah. 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 And it looks exactly like the six man that I paddle at work. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. a nice six man. It, it? it is. Yeah. Um, so that, that's pretty cool. You're yeah. going to need a bigger shaping book. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, you know, we can talk to a couple of people and just see if I could borrow an area for like three months and just go in there every day. And then once it's stripped, then I can bring it home and and do the rest of the stuff at home. So how do you make time for training with with two kids, a teenager? Uh, a teenager that's all in rodeo, by the way, too. That's that's completely different. That's sport. a full-time task there alone. Uh, Did you say rodeo? Rodeo. Whoa. Check that out. Yeah, we have rodeo yeah. out here. Yeah, I yeah you got you up in the hills there, Makawao or something? Makawao and Kula. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. They actually got a pretty cool uh it's it's cool, man. It's cool. You know, they they really try to, you know, the the, the people that run it, they really try to keep it tight knit and family oriented and stuff. So it's 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 cool. She 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 enjoys it, she loves it, she's pretty damn good at it, even though none of her parents do anything with horses, but which, which, which event is she doing? Is she doing like the barrel race or the? Doing barrels, goat tying, poles, and then she just started getting into uh, breakaway roping. Wow. Yeah. That's, I grew up with a bunch of kids that did that in California. There was like the little cowboy sect, and then there was the Vatos over here, and then it was like the yeah. wannabe surfers over here. 
right. it's hilarious. But we all came together over beers, and it was it was a good crew, man. Yeah, those guys yeah, they, are solid. They, you know, they they got a they got a good handful of girls that are all the same age. So I think you know they'll be pushing each other. If they all stick it out all the way through high school, they'll be they'll be pretty top notch. I think just because they're they're all they're all really good as it is. So now they're just pushing each other's envelope. You know, yeah. event. Yeah, that's awesome. But uh, yeah, to find the well, and then my my wife's. Paddling. She paddling again? Yeah. So in, she she didn't do last year's channel course because she was pregnant, but she's on the Team Bradley crew for uh, the six men women. So she wants to give it a good push again this year. So um, it's it's a fun it, it's a it's a fun juggle. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun juggle. So what is what does that make your training schedule look like? You know, nowadays, um, you know, I'm 34 now and. For a long time, not but, a long but, time. But, but you're still you're still in the top elite tier. So I I I, I can be if, if I work at it. Um, and you know here on Maui I'm still pushing with all these guys. I'm not sure where I'd be at this year on Oahu, but um, you know I've been, I've kind of been preparing myself for this day, um, knowing that it's gonna suck, but one day you're gonna get a little too old to where you're not gonna be as good and. You're just going to have to deal with it and live with it. Um, and so you're never ready to deal with it and live with it. And I'm still trying to do as much as I can, but I'm also realizing that, hey, if I got to miss today because things are hectic at home with the kids or whatnot, and, you know, mama's got to get her time in or whatnot, then so be it. Yeah. Where two to three years ago, you could – once I'm on 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 schedule and and I okay, it's my program, dude. I don't I don't phase from it one bit. It's straight arrow all the way. No, I gotta do this. I gotta do this at this time. Nothing's gonna be in my way. Wow. Yeah, but I think you know when you're at a higher caliber, all those athletes kind of have to be like that to stay at that level because it takes a lot. Yeah, there's a certain amount of selfishness that goes right. into it. There has to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and. You know, my wife's got several more good years in her. She's a bit younger than I am, so you know, if she yeah. can get crew again, then better, better her. You know, so volume wise, what at at that level? What are you talking a week, like hour wise? You know, during the week, um, to be honest, like if I had a, if if I had a week the way I wanted to do a week, I'd probably do eight hours during the week, but now I'm probably only getting, you know, maybe three, yeah, I'd say maybe four hours and then a weekend I'll try to go get a couple. Yeah. Are yeah. you, are you using the same program that we use at the yeah. club? Yeah. So, so the just paddling program. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm using the best program. It's the just paddling program. And, yeah. you know, especially for my time now, as I'm getting older and the family and stuff, it really just seems to suit my schedule well. You know, it's it's a hour to hour fifteen, three day, three nights a week. There's a little gym work to be done, but I can do that here at home. Um, and then on the weekends, you know, we just we'll generally go for a couple hours. You know, find something that we can do two hours. Like last weekend, we paddled up wind for forty and then turned around. Um, but it's really, um, you know, it's an easy schedule to go with with the family because you know it's three days a week an hour so you can shoot i got kind very more of them out yeah so yeah, yeah that's what I, that's what i've been doing yeah i know and it's, i know i know you haven't seen me at practice but uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> i i am and 
I promise. Uh, no, and that's in addition to their work. No, and so so like I've been trying to hit up the other guys too. Because sometimes, you know, the the kids are home, but two year old comes home from daycare. You know, that's when things really start. You know, the volume starts turning up in the afternoon. So I'm talking to some of the guys like Keiku and um, you know um, Jacob Patello, and they're like, "Hey, man, if you guys want to uh, do morning sessions, let me know because mornings work so much better." But it's always nice going out with the group or someone, just someone to gauge with and push with. And, you know, um, so I don't want to give that side up yet, not going out with anyone just because I've done it before and it's good. And I've, I've done it. It just takes a lot more discipline to put those right levels and, or keep them. Is is mixed outrigger program, his stand-up program is pretty heavy on the interval stuff. Is this the same with the outrigger program? It's pretty much the same. So the three days a week is is all interval stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so, you know, what, there was several ways I approached it. Last year, I did, um, you know, I basically stuck to that and did, um, you know, longer weekends or whatnot. And then the year before that, I'd go in the mornings and then I'd do those with, with one of the firemen in the mornings. And then I'd go in the afternoon and just go easy with the boys while they did it. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then, um, so I was getting a little extra time in. So, I, you know, I'd, I'd play, I'd play with it. Um, you know, just when I can get the extra time just to get it. And at your level, do you, do you just go off perceived exertion or do you use a heart strap? Heart strap. I, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, um, anal like that. I, I don't, you know, I, I can go by feel if the strap, sometimes the strap will get soaked and, and fizzle out on me. I got to get a better strap. I got to get the uh, triathlon one. But, um, you know, sometimes you're stuck without it and you really just got to go by feel. But I really like knowing that I'm in those right zones yeah. at times. And I try to push that on the younger guys that are going with us too, just because, you know, I feel if you're in the right lower zones, when you get to the heavier zones, you're going to be able to put much more into that heavy zone, you know. Yep. Um, versus kind of being taxed for it and losing out a little bit. Yeah. I know talking to Mick, he was saying that too, you know, try to be fresh for these workouts so that you can utilize those, those zones correctly. Yeah. So I get pretty. After all these years of training, what's your, what's your resting heart rate when you sleep? You know, I've actually got kind of a high heart rate. I'll be in the one fifties. But when you're sleeping, what's it down to? I, I, I sleep restless, so it's like even in the 160s. I think I'm calmer when I'm just sitting still. <laughs> because every time I've woken up and checked it, it'd be like 168 or something. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So, no, I, I don't I don't have a watch that tell me what it was like in the middle of the night or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a ring now that uh, we're just like a wedding ring. Yeah. Right? That, really? Yeah. Um, it records how you're sleeping and heart rate and I think it's like the aura ring. It's called no like the aura ring. And yeah. then you go plug it in after. And yeah, just uh, you know, I, yeah. Uh, I've heard about it and it's just another gadget to have to, you know, calculate yeah. what's what's working, what's not working, how your sleep is and stuff like that if you're short on sleep or, or whatever. But yeah, you know and I don't know if it's an age thing too, but sometimes my sleep isn't that good, even though there's nothing going on that's, you know, waking me up in the middle of the night. I'm still, I'll wake up, up, you know, up a couple of times. And other times, sometimes I go back down sooner than later, you know, sooner than later. And other, other nights I just watch the clock turn. And I sleep like a rock. 
but I also don't have kids yet. So um, no, no feet in your face at two in the morning. No, no feet in the face. Yeah, um, I, I really like that that training program, doing the intervals and that for training for the Yukon race that Patrick and I did. That was pretty much all the training I did. Mm-hmm. Was so you know that those hour to hour and a half pieces uh, broken up into different intervals, but somehow it, it builds you to a point of endurance and yeah and everything where you can go out and do what we did mm-hmm. and then it's just a matter of calculating those other things like sleep and food and right. get, you know sitting for 18 hours but uh, that that program it it can train you for so many different aspects of racing that it's it's a very very valuable tool and yeah. I'm, I'm thankful that you brought it to yeah, club. No, and you know, a friend of mine, uh, Cowboy, Mark Cowboy in, in Florida, I know Mark. turned me on it. Yeah. So <laughs> Cowboy, he's like talking about his training and this and that when I was over there for a Clearwater race. And he said, Oh, I've been using this guy, the Betas program. I said, Oh, I heard about it. And I know Mick from just, you know, years of paddling. So I, I messaged Mick and he said, Shoot, man, I'll set you up. So I was pretty nice. stoked. Yeah, for that. And, um, but yeah, to, to your point, I, I really enjoy the workouts. It's actually fun. You know, there's, Back in the day, if you see some workouts you get, you'd be like, oh, this isn't going to be that fun. No, it's not fun because these workouts are easy. They're, dude, like, the last one last week, the third session last week, kick our butt. It's just the way it's structured. It's kind of like it it keeps you interested. It keeps you interested. It goes by quicker than you think. And, um, you know, by the time you're at your last piece, you're like, oh, gosh, we're almost done already. Wow, okay. But, you know, they're, they're, they're not no slouchy workouts that's for sure how do you keep track do you just do it in your head like if it's 30 15 30 15 you just you just got to do the math yeah so i'm 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 not uh, another reason why i don't do computer shaping i'm not <laughs> i'm pretty illiterate on the computer so like I, I don't put it in i don't program it in my watch or nothing i yeah. just yeah nice. I nice. keep doing the math upstairs yeah yeah that's so good what yeah. i've been doing is i have the bungee set up right on my front deck uh put my slippers in the bungees. I put my phone right there with the stopwatch going. Yeah. And so, you know, if it's, if it's like a six minute block, I know that you know, every, every six oh, minutes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, it might be, you know, one minute at level, level four, two minutes at level three, one minute at level one or something. And yeah. So, yeah. You know, I just repeat. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that was six minutes or not. Yeah. But <laughs> no, no. Whatever. Some, some of that it. level five stuff, though, is like 30 seconds, 15, 30 seconds, 15. So then you get into fractions of minutes and it just starts swirling so, your brain a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to write it down, too. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I, I just, it's like a, like being a quarterback, you write it in a permanent marker on your hand and just remember where you're at. Yeah. yeah. Like packing tape out, write the whole workout on the packing tape, stick it right in front of footballs. Oh, that's sweet. That's a great idea. No batteries to go dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, I still, I put my watch on. That way I'm watching my heart rate, making sure I'm staying in those zones and whatnot. So you put your watch on the deck because you can't, obviously you can't look at it when it's coming past. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I want it to be in place. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's definitely back to the original question. It's, it, you know, it can be a juggle, but you know, I think if, if you're, if you're having fun with it, it's not, it's not like a juggle that's draining you, you know, it's not like, Oh God, you better go now. And I'm going to go. It's, you know, it's fun. You know, mm-hmm. I know wife's enjoying it. She's getting back in shape. Baby's awesome. She's, she's loving it. Um, you know, and for me, it's, a, you know, I get to go see my friends every, 
every three, you know, three afternoons a week. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it helps a ton that yeah, it definitely helps. And she understands. Yeah. She, she also competes at a high level. Mm-hmm. So she understands kind of where your head is at. And definitely. It's, it's very nice to have a support system. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. that can operate at your level and yeah. know what you're thinking. Yeah. I'm, there, I'm there's, fortunate with that too. No, exactly. And I mean, those who are, got to be thankful for it and um, because i've been i've been in relationships in in the past where you know when i was younger where they didn't battle the girls didn't battle they just couldn't understand why i wanted to go out there and do that every day and it was just always a hard battle yeah you know so yeah having having a girlfriend or a wife that's into it just as much as yours kind of a blessing because then you both understand each other's needs for it you know yeah and if everybody's needs are being met then Life's a hell of a lot better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dinner at the kitchen table is a lot more fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as far as, like, recovering from big workouts, big races, things like that, where where are you nutritionally? You take rest days. Yeah. Uh, what, what's kind of your program as far as recovery goes? Definitely trying to take rest days, um, you know, especially the older I get, you know, the more you feel it. Um, you know, not so much soreness to the muscle, but just the drain, you know, your physical um, drain, you know, you just, oh, I'm tired today. Where, you know, when I was in my 20s, it's like tired wasn't even part of the dictionary. Yeah. But um, nutrition, you know, just trying to eat healthy, you know, get the proteins in there to rebuild, um, you know, definitely. I'm not super strict on certain things and I kind of wish I was more strict because I'm sure I'd have a better recovery system going, but you know, it's just not eating, you know, processed. Yeah. Just crap. Yeah. Not eating crap, you know, staying away from fast food stuff, staying away from too much sugar, you know, things like that. It's like, you know, the cupcakes have come out and I'd be like, no, it's not going to do that. I'm, super anal about what goes in my what goes in my body what i eat um to the point where the other guys in the boat are different yeah i think that like the night before uh channel this year i just have giant salad slab of fish on top and they're all they're just trying to carb load yeah yeah, yeah. um so i like leading up to to a race like molokai or, or solo or um you know you haven't you don't have a defined diet diet plan going in or um you know to be honest what i've always done from the other big races where i know the mileage and i'll just try to not overindulge but make sure i'm feeding myself yeah you know again nothing that's unhealthy but um you know just trying to feed myself so i know my body's yeah not really fuel I think we've had a couple conversations with, with different people and uh, I think every individual body is different and has different needs. Uh, we just we just spoke with uh, world champion stand-up paddleboard who's vegan. Mm. So needs are completely different than right. your needs. Right. And her body is processing things differently than, than your body is. And so I think that's Kind of where I'm at when people are questioning mm-hmm. what I'm eating. Mm-hmm. Like, well, why are you eating this? Oh, because I know it's I know it's going to help me later. 
great. Because you've been living in your body for 36, seven, eight years, right? So you know it works. Yeah, you know it keeps it ticking. Yeah. Well, where are you getting all the protein? It's there. Yeah. Trust me. You know, and, and little things like that, um, just trying to work out different proteins. Um, you know, I would like to step back from more meat and find more plant, uh, plant-based proteins that help me, you know, keep the body up and running. So I've, I've been forcing myself to eat certain things that I not like eating <laughs> <laughs> because I know eventually they got to be good. But it's got to taste good. Yeah. Yeah. It's not I didn't like the texture as a kid, or I didn't like the taste as a kid. And it's kind of stained, you know, stained me that way where I've always had that, oh, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. But now I'm starting to know, you know what? Yeah, let's put it in this. Let's put it in that. I'll mask it. And, and actually, sometimes like, damn, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. So, and taste buds change. And taste buds do change, so, yes. Because mm-hmm. I tell you what, I used to love black olives as a kid. I, I can't get near those things now. <laughs> I don't like olives either. I, I started liking pickles though in my mid thirties, which was weird. I never thought I'd see the day, but I love pickles now. Oh, same man. Yeah. Pickles, pepperoncinis. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually starting to like a little bit of jalapeno here and there on a scent, not a scent, you know, just a, a touch of something spicy in there, like jalapeno. Mm-hmm. before I just. Yeah. Yeah. I got into some habanero sauce last night that, man, I thought I was going to stop breathing. It was, I put a little, just, you know, I'm not paying attention. And all of a sudden it was like, oh man, like, <laughs> starting to like lungs are convulsing. Like, oh man, but wash that bottle, put wow. that thing in the trash. Yeah. Another thing I try to stay away from is like the, the sport drinks out there. Just because I think a lot of so much sugar. Oh, so yeah. Bad. So bad. So one thing I never thought of until I started paddling with you guys was PDLA. And I noticed that a lot of you guys on Team Maui DM get into the PDLA. Yeah, so, so it, it was kind of a, I mean, it's a bad and good. Because um, I think a little bit of PDLA is good, especially like the non flavor. But the flavor one's got a funky sugar in there too. So too much of it, I don't think is good. Yeah. So... Right. Yeah, they have super. Oh, they have sucralose in them. Yeah, uh, and I think your body needs sugars, but it's certain sugars. Yeah, I've been I've been on the uh, the liquid IV. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's nice and tasty. It is nice and tasty. And so the the guy who created that was looking at a product like Pedialyte and saying, well, this you know why are all these high level athletes drinking Pedialyte and these electrolyte drink made for for babies and he took kind of that formula and reinvented it without the sucralose and yeah. other stuff and he came up with that and it, it's it's pretty tasty it's super convenient uh, i don't like all the packaging but that's right for right. other thing yeah but, but it's american man it's america it's all about packaging yeah <laughs> remember the old cds and tapes you buy oh yeah oh man but it comes in this big old plastic bag. Uh, like, yeah. It's a lot of extra stuff there, man. What do I need that for? People uh, yeah. can't stick it in the shirt. Yeah, there you go. That's probably it right there. Yeah. Uh, no, but yeah, so yeah, I think that was kind of a bad thing because now, right, you see all the Pedialyte constantly. Like the, the regular Pedialyte, the sweet stuff, I could never drink it. I'd always have to water it down. So, yep, most cases I'd get the non flavored. 
Um, but yeah, so then I just started buying the non-flavored and just kind of flavored it with something. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the liquid ID is pretty nice. A little bit more convenient with Super travel. convenient. Cheaper. Yeah, a lot lighter on your luggage. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I think the, the original thing with that was just trying to get the electrolytes in, you know, prior to, you know, load up on that. And, but I'm with you, man. The sugar in those beer rates, uh, that okay. uh, what's, uh What's coming up next? So Flex is coming out. Flex is, yeah. So we're training, training for M2M. Training, well, you know, well, just trying to train for, for anything. Train for anything. anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then six-man season. Six-man season. Uh, we got the World Sprints in uh, August. Well, I mean, I don't know. I won't be here much during regatta season just because it's all the stuff happening in the main under in the gorge. Uh, I'm going to do the gorge in June. I went there and did a ski race last year. It was pretty fun. Um, you know, I always want to experience the gorge in June because I've seen some of the best runs happen in June there. I've got to get there this year. It's been on the list forever. It's, I just, I love that place, man. It's Everybody fun. keeps saying that. They're just like, you got to go. It's basically an outdoor heaven, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as if it's dead winds and, you know, go trail riding or, yeah, you know, whatnot. And, and then Gorge, you know, you've got the main corridor, but you can also venture further in and, and you know, try to find runs in there, which we did a lot of last year. It was wow. fun. Wow. Yeah. A lot of fun. So, are you going to try to focus more on ski? Or are you going to continue with the canoes and just have to ski be, you know, once in a while? Yeah, I mean, I'll mainly be focusing on canoes. I think the ski, you know, it's, it's it's fun to be able to dabble in both, but I'm still behind the ball to become a ski guy, um, you know, starting at the age of 40-something. So it's just it's just another way to play with and have fun with, you know. Plus, you got to buy a whole nother wardrobe of spandex outfits. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, that's like I was thinking about getting a bike to just start biking instead of running, just to try to you know not be so harsh on the knees. And um, but I'm not gonna succumb to buying all that fancy. No, wood. No. You're gonna see that one ding dong out there in board shorts and a t-shirt riding with me. That's and that, me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's me, man. I ri- I'll ride in, in big cargo shorts before I put on spandex, man. Yeah, yeah. I might I might have to do something with the seat too. Uh, those seats kill me, but um yeah, no, nah, so I'm I I still I don't dress up like the surf ski guys. But there's actually some guys that don't, you know, they're yeah. Uh you know, a lot of the top guys they're they're you know, they're they're pretty cool guys and nice. I mean they do wear their I call them uh like bass fishing shirts, you know, they they're all labeled like the bass fishing with all their stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Shirt afterwards. <laughs> but, um you know, there's a lot of cool guys in it, but it's a lot of, it seems like just a lot of the other people that come along with the ski sport, they, they got some goofy outfits and things like that. Uh, but, you know, that's good to eat your own. Yeah, the New England scene, the, the few races I've been to in their surf skis, they just, it's just kind of a running joke with the canoe and the stand-up people with it. I mean, they're all amazing paddlers, but it's funny, they'll stand around the award ceremony in like the full spandex rig, and it's like two hours after the race, and you're like, all right. How old are these people? They're older, yeah, in their fifties, yeah. probably. That, that's my dad. He'll he'll be oh. walking on after the wards, and it's already time to break down the party. So there's battling fights on. You're like, come on, dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a practicality thing. Uh huh. 
Oh, and you're that age. You don't care. You're just like, yeah. Yeah. I'm not from more approved anymore. Nope. Yeah. No, so it's, you know, um, it's cool seeing those two different worlds too, the OC1 and the ski world. Yeah. It's um, all the same rush, right? It's the same glide. It's all seeking the glide. Yeah. 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 So kind of in closing, I guess we're getting up there, but just one last question that I would have if, if you know, being at the level you're at and being a teacher of camps and stuff, if there was like two or three things about catching bumps, like if you're at this level of a concert pianist and someone's like at the level of like, they've been playing a couple of years and they basic understanding, but are there a few key things to look for when you're catching bumps that's that you can just break down like, don't don't drop fully into the trough or I mean, you know, do you have any little tips or? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, one thing I always try to tell people is patience. And that's also like technique as well with your stroke, you know, because if you're rushing your stroke, generally it's going to be sloppy in the front. Um, same thing with catching bumps. If you're just trying to catch every little bump, you're just going to spin your wheels and you're really not going to go anywhere. So having patience and choosing you know, choosing one to catch and, and writing it out. And then what you mentioned, you'll find it with a lot of people and, and I don't want to stereotype them, but you know, I do see it with a lot of Canadians when they come is they will catch the wave and then sprint down the face of it. And that's where the whole patience comes in again, sit at the top and just, just let it ride, you know, write it out. You know, because in, in bumps, if you sprint to the bottom, you're stuck. You can't go anywhere. Yep. And then you, know, you poke the, the one in front too, right? And whereas if you can just be patient with it, once you feel that you've caught it, sit up there and tone it down a bit and see what can come next, because that's where the gates will open on you and you can go to the next one and connect. And, yeah. Um, you know, and then also, uh, you know, I try to give a lot of different things. You know, it, when we do it, I try not to feed too much information at once, but I'll give mm -hmm. them things one day to look for. Yep say a couple more things um but um your vision you know keeping your vision you know 20 feet out from your nose and you know at a 45 to the left and right because anything within that zone is is doable um you know a lot of times the beginning paddlers one they'll either sprint to the bottom and get stuck or two they'll just focus too much on what's happening right in front of them and they'll miss out on the little things happening on the side too that can contribute to more right yeah awesome those are huge thank you yeah and it's just you know being aware trying yeah. to be aware you know a lot of things i'll tell people here is you know scout your area if it's new scout that scout that coastline you know whether it's a lake or a river or even ocean just so you can kind of see give yourself a little heads up of oh look if there's a little point that comes out there and yeah you know, little, little shallow spot or something yeah, it's anything like that. Or like, say, on Maui, we've got Panaha. And if there's a swell, you can get smoked over there. Yeah, there's that sandbar that comes out off Kite Beach there, right? right. Yeah, right. out. So, you know, I, just knowing your surroundings. So you get out there and you're a little safer, more comfortable knowing knowing what's going on. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think my final question, kind of along the same lines only, but for six minutes. I've probably heard everything from you a hundred times, but <laughs> other people haven't. So if you could one or two bits of advice as far as six man paddling goes. 
six man is it's unique um because there's a there's quite a number of of clubs popping up on the mainland mm -hmm. people who want to paddle six man because you know whether they from stand up paddle boarding and move to one man and for whatever reason uh there's more and more six man teams showing up so for those beginner six man paddlers you know, or, for a beginner and even, even the, or, uh, you know, more experience, more experience you know, it's, you've got to remember with a six man, it's a team effort and you all got to work together. We always got to say quote unquote together because it's just not all six people paddling, but trying to make the six feel as one. So it's, it's really actually a killer form of teamwork because you all got to be backing each other up and you all got to be on point with each other. If one guy's hiccuping, that's just going to kill the stride. So, I mean, it's probably even good for corporations to do a little team bonding kind of yeah. six-man because it, it pays all six. And I think for beginners or, you know, if you're an athlete coming from something into the six-man and you're all tip-top in shape, you might come in and think, well, I'm going to be the hero of this boat. I'm going to make things happen. And what people got to realize is in the six-man, there's never – one hero there's going to be six or there's going to be none so you're not going to come in and be he-man and make the boat go faster i can guarantee if you if you are that guy most cases you're going to come in and you're going to make the boat go slower because you're trying harder than the other five which is causing disruption to the flow wow so it's a lot like music in a way huh like a little orchestra six people one guy's off it's just a train wreck like a spark plug yeah yeah, plugs are right. You're rolling. One yeah. plug, oh, you feel it. <laughs> I like that spark plug yeah. outrigger. So that's the biggest thing we see, and it's the biggest thing. I mean, Will knows it's the biggest thing we try to work on with our group is it, it's teamwork. It's everybody getting the same plant together, getting the same release together, the same return. Um, no, it's 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 really what it's about. You look at the best crews out there. Yeah, there's a lot of them in really good shape. But they also most likely look the smoothest as well mm. because they're utilizing that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the blend. I remember back in the Lanikai days, it's always about the blend. You don't want to fuss with the blend because it just, the more you blended, the easier the paddling got and the quicker the speed got. It's wow. like once the blend's off, then you're always trying to fight to find that speed again or that blend again, and it's just using up more energy and, you know, whatnot. Well, I'm very thankful for all that, all the knowledge that you and Kekoa have put on on myself and the rest of our team. Uh, it's it's been fun, and you know you know what's really cool man, is like you got a lot of these guys that preach, you know, I, I'm I'm the best coach out there. I'm I'm a you know top coach or whatnot. And who's been coaching us before? You never hear him going and preaching about. Who he is or whatnot. No, it goes goes back to so you know the humility that Patrick brought up. Yeah, so it's, it's great, you know, and um, it's also been fun for us because we got a bunch of guys that are hungry. I mean, if it wasn't for all you guys and you know all of these other young guys, we'd probably be just doing our forties thing by now and having fun. But we can't because you guys are still around and wanting to go, so we still got to hang up the young boys. So. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us are also pushing 40, so. Yeah. All right, <laughs> so, well, have a good 40s crew then coming so, up. So, huh? Some of us are getting there. 
few more years. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for taking some time. And yeah, Kai, thank you so much yeah. for taking time out of your day to talk to us, man. I know you got a lot going on. No, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. About, if there's any time you got other topics, I'm game. Oh, yeah. We're, we're always on topics. We're going to keep keep rolling. Yeah, when I get out there next month, at, at some point, if uh, if you have time, I'd love to check out your, your setup and just if you've got any projects or, you know, whatever. It's just I'm fascinated like, by that stuff. Yeah, I've got one project. I haven't touched it since before Christmas. <laughs> Christmas, yeah. <laughs> I, I have got, like, my game plan was to go out there this week and at least cut the outline so that I can start putting everything else in my head. But it's fun. You know, until I get my garage set up, it's it's just yeah. this little 30 by 14 tent in my backyard, but it's great. Nice. Love it. Yeah. Well, if you need any help, man, I'm a 25 year carpenter, so I'd be happy to help you out. Throw a couple yeah. days your way. Huh? <laughs> you watch out. <laughs> yeah, I know. Be careful what you say. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Right on, you guys. All right. Yeah. Enjoy Thanks. the rest of your days, you guys. All right. Yes, you sir. Well. We got Monday training tonight. See you soon. All right, man. I'll talk to you guys. See ya. All Take right. care. Bye. You can find Kai and Kaiva'a Canoes on Instagram at Kaiva'a Canoes. That's K-A-I-W-A-A-C-A-N-O-E-S. All one word. It's also on Facebook. And the website is Kaiva'a.com. That's K-A-I-W-A-A dot com. Thank you so much for listening and all the support. We are so grateful for all the feedback and messages we have been getting, so please keep them coming. You can also follow us on Instagram at wicked.aloha.podcast. Check that out for pictures, updates, and who knows what else. Just remember, keep moving forward.